Welcome and thank you for joining Save Our Sisters Unplugged. If you're looking for a sisterhood of intelligent women to network with, then this is a podcast for you. We'll be letting our hair down and spilling all the tea on an array of topics and gain insight into what women really think. My name is Noreen Foy and I'll be your host. Now let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. You guys, I am so excited for today's show. We will be talking about women in leadership. And to help with this discussion, I have a very special lady here with me today. She needs no introduction, but I will tell you a bit about her. She is very dedicated to her family. She holds a master's degree in science and a bachelor's degree in education. She also co-hosts the podcast Happy Hour with Lambda. And it is my honor and my pleasure to introduce my Boricua sister from another Mr. Miss Joy Maalamo. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited. I'm oh, so excited. Me too. It's a long time coming. I'm so glad we could get together today. It's been so long, so long overdue. I know. So you do so much in your space. So I want to just go ahead and get right into it now. First, before we get into the meat and potatoes of everything, tell me about the history of your name. Well, is that Joyma? Is some people call me Joy, Joyma, but is that my mom used to call me Joyma, usually when she was mad at me because I was very mischievous. But the origin is my dad's name was Juan Alamo, and my my mom Lydia. So I think she had enough time in her hands and she just created this beautiful name that she said it was the easiest one to, to pronounce. So it's made out of Juan Alamo and Lydia and it's letter by letter, like a soup of letter. So okay. that's the origin. Yeah. Well, I love it. You know, I never heard anybody else named Joyma. It's such a you unique want- name, such a unique name. So. Tell me, what was it like growing up as a young girl? Where are you from? What's your little family history? So my dear Noreen, we are neighbors from the Caribbean. I am from Puerto Rico, the beautiful island in the Caribbean. I love it. Um, I was, I'm the fourth of four kids, so I'm the baby. Uh, my mom was a single mother. She, she always bet on love but she wasn't a good gambler, um, but she had four beautiful kids. Um, two, my two older one, the, the, um, there's a, a sister and a brother. Brother passed away September. Um, they were, their dad is an American, was an American from New York back in, in the 40s and 50 Puerto Ricans, a lot of Puerto Ricans used to go to, to New York. And then my dad, um, he was a police sergeant in Puerto Rico. My mom later on moved there, and that's when she met him. Uh, they were not married, so my sister and I were uh, born uh, out of love, not a commitment like mm-hmm. nowadays we do. Um, so my mom raised us because both of them disappeared, and never they never show responsibility on helping my mom raise the kids. So my mom is my champion, was my champion because she, she's passed for almost 13 years, single mother in a public housing in Puerto Rico where drugs, killing, I used to see 
guys shooting heroin. Um, we were playing, it was in a public housing, so it was three-story buildings. We used to live in the second story, second floor, I'm sorry. And we would say, can I go down? Because it was downstairs to play with your friends. And sometimes you, you hear the shooting and we have to run. Um, but my mom came from a very, very good family, not only in values, but also they had a little bit of money back then, which she was raised by her grandma. And when my mother married the gringo in New York, the grandma in Puerto Rico didn't want that because back in the day, they used to arrange, okay. uh, you know, so, um, my, the family was well positioned, but my mom was not supported by the family. So we were living in the hood while the family were living in nice houses with pools and cars and Mercedes Benz. And we were living through that. Um, I remember my mom saying, you guys have to work for what you want. Don't expect anybody to give you anything. So you had to go to school and you had to work hard for what you want. So I remember that, Noreen. Growing up in the neighborhood, um, seeing my friends, a lot of good people, just a few that were not good people. And so I, I grew up in that environment. I grew up in the environment that you have to survive, that you have to fist fight. Yeah. I was just about to say, you had to be really tough growing up in oh, a yeah. like that. Yes. You had to walk into the store or to a place and, and scan in the area before you walk in just to be safe. Wow. And so I grew up like that. I grew up like that. Uh, but my mom, like I said, always pushed us to go to, to study mm -hmm. and, uh, and to follow the values, which I did, you know, along with sports. So in Puerto Rico, it's a beautiful island. Any reason to celebrate. Uh, there's a lot of drugs, and you know that in the Caribbean, we are, because we are U.S. territory, is like a bridge uh, for drugs from, from some other countries. Exactly. So there is a lot of that. But, but I, I went through that. I never, never, ever had an experience in my neighborhood. Um, so then later on, after I finished my high school, um, I went to the University of Puerto Rico because that's the best university there. And that was one of my dreams. I wanted to, to do something. I wanted to do better than, than my mother did. And I didn't want to live there in the neighborhood. I love right. people, but. I said, no, I want to do better. And I remember when I was seven years old, when I, when I turned seven that day, I remember today that I was looking at the buildings from the balcony and I said, I'm not going to live here when I grow up. This is not for me. So yeah, it was, it was awesome growing up in Puerto Rico. I, I will do it again. You know, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, we, we had, you know, needs and there was not a lot of money or Christmas gift or birthday gift, stuff like that. Uh, we ate when my mom cooked. <laughs> that sounds like the same way that yeah. you grew up as well. So yeah. coming up with that type of a background, what were your big dreams of what you wanted to be when you grew up and left Puerto Rico? Because at some yeah. point you're like, I, it has to be something better out there for me. I, I was always, always good on math and I wanted to be uh, in business. Um, but I also wanted to be a teacher. And so I decided I was, a, I was an athlete in Puerto Rico. I played for the national team, team handball. I went to Pan-American games for team handball in Brazil. I played 
Central American games in the Caribbean, uh, in, in Puerto Rico, actually where those games. So I was an athlete, I was part of the national team. And I said, well, I'm good in sports. I also got a scholarship in college where they paid for my education. I'm good in sports. I, I can do all the these different sports. So I'm going to be a physical education teacher. So that's what I did. I graduated in University of Puerto Rico. And right after I started looking for a job, you know, okay. I just, I spent my, my, my summer in Mexico because I went to train in Mexico, part of the national team for the whole summer. And when I got back, I started working at the place where I graduated high school. It was uh, San Juan Bosco. It's a Catholic school. Okay. Uh, I worked there for a year as a PE teacher, but the pay wasn't good. So I, I love the, being a teacher, but I also like to have a good life and travel. And I was 22. Wow. And yeah. The same year when I finished that, the, the year, another school where I went to the middle school in the same neighborhood in the project housing. Um, they were looking for a physical education teacher for middle school. Of course, they know that I'm from there. And, and I was still living with my mom in the hood. Mm-hmm. And the principal of the school told my niece, she was going to that school, tell your tia to come here for an interview. It happens that that principal was my principal when I was in that school. Oh, wow. Small world. And the teachers that were in the interview were my teachers when I was in middle school. Then they became my coworkers. I worked there two years and I always wanted to explore what it was outside of Puerto Rico. And I, I am a, a free spirit. And I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get old. This is me. I'm not gonna get old and hit 40. <laughs> And, and still be teaching these kids. You know, I loved it. I still see them today, the kids. But I said, I'm going to go do my master's degree and I'm going to the United States. Okay. How old were you at this point? 26. Okay. When I turned, when I turned 26, I was old. In my heart, I said, I was old. I'm going to, this is, I need to do something because I'm old. Uh, so, Yeah. Back then it was 95, I'm 53 now. It was in 95, I called a friend on the, you know. Oh, and it's the rotary phone. <laughs> so I said, Mario, he was in Northern Michigan University. I want to go, I want to do my, my master's and I want to go where you are at, a friend. And he mailed me the application in a manila folder, in a manila envelope. Mm-hmm. Mail, by mail, no faxes. Right, no email. <laughs> <laughs> no internet, no going to the internet or the cell phone and do the application. No. Two weeks after I received the application, I filled up, I still have the application by hand and I sent it to the university. I took the GRE, it's a test that you need to take to do a master's degree. And I passed the test. The test was in English. Puerto Rico, we are U.S. territory, but our language is Espanol. Mm-hmm. So my Spanish, my English, I'm sorry, it was like Tarzan. I could read and write, but talk, no, it was very bad. Oh, and, and I still decided to go. So how was it being in the United States with, of course, English being your second language? You know, what challenges did that bring for you? All of them. All of them. 
language because I went to Marquette, Michigan in the Upper Peninsula. From my apartment, I could see the Lake Superior from the Caribbean. So I'm going to an 87 degree average to a summer, winter time, 64 below. Uh, and the snow measure in, in feet, not in inches. Oh my God. Um, I was an, a, a national athlete. I was very famous. I played sports. I was 20, 26, 25, 26. And um, I left all that in Puerto Rico. I left my mom, my family, everything. I quit my job. I sold my car. I only took my money. And I went over there with four boxes that I sent through the uh, system to the United Postal Service. Mm -hmm. Um, the force, I, they call it the force class or something like that, that arrived maybe a month after, um, with my clothing, with all my clothes. It was a change. It was a change in culture, in weather, in language. And that's when I first faced the difference in, in people, the way people see different faces, hear different accents. Okay. Like it was a culture that, shock. Oh, yes, because I was in Puerto Rico. We don't, you know, look at the white, black, uh, orange, whatever. We're Puerto Ricans. No, we don't do uh, that in the Virgin Islands either. I wasn't used to it. So I got there and it was a shock and also the language. I had to learn to, to communicate and it was interesting. I did finish my master's degree in two years, faster than some people that actually they spoke English. Mm -hmm. That English was their first language. And so it was a shock, but I always noticed around myself, I have many friends, few closer, but I say that I always see angels in, in my path, different people that I meet that give me the, the right advice or, or the right support without asking. And I call them my angels. Okay. So it, it was challenging. I would do it again. So it was interesting and challenging and I grew a lot, you know, leaving my mom, leave, I was living with my mom at 26 and I learned how to cook and to do stuff on my own, no yeah. laundry. Yeah. And of course, with all the challenges you have, what specific steps did you take to overcome them so that you could be successful in Michigan with, of course, English being your second language? Yeah. I think from growing up in the hood that you had to face so many difficulties and people in, even in Puerto Rico. There's no racism, but there's classism. So you're from the hood, you, you look different. So I learned how to manage the people, what people think of me is none of my business, you know? So I learned that from, I was little, I was a feisty, but I, no one ever stopped me from moving forward. So I think growing up in that environment and just, just the tenacity is, is the, is the pushing, you know, for your goals and, and staying with the values. I think, um, that helped me a lot. Also talking to my mom, but the, but then the telephone, the phone calls, it was 10 cents a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know yeah, exactly. if, the, if the audience is going to know about that. Oh my gosh. We're taking a way back. I know. <laughs> so I was, I'm 53 now and, and that I was 26. That's half of my life ago. So, so I'm going to switch gears for a little bit here. So now you find yourself in a, you find yourself in America and you're getting established in life. And now I know 
that you are very involved in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And we're honored in magazines and people just love you, love you, love you everywhere. How old were you when you came out? When I came out, well, it's, there's different coming outs. Okay. So, so first you have to know, right? I remember, and you may hear this from some people, not everybody. When I was in first grade, my teacher, Miss Vega, she went on maternity leave. And the substitute teacher in Puerto Rico was Miss Valenzuela. <laughs> what a memory. Miss Valenzuela didn't look like the other teachers. She was more of a masculine, you know, shape and the way she dressed and behaved. And I remember looking at that teacher, I was five in first grade. Back then, they didn't have the age thing. So I was five. And I remember looking at that teacher and say, I have something similar, something like that teacher. Mm -hmm. But I was afraid to say something or to ask or to even talk to the teacher because I remember my friends will make fun of the boys that look different. So I didn't want to be bullied at five. I didn't want to be bullied. So ever since then, I had that in my head, but never say anything to anybody because it was the seventies, the eighties. Um, then I went to college. I had my boyfriend in, in high school, like everybody else. And then when I went to college, I still had that boyfriend, but then I saw everybody because in college it's, it's like the ocean where all the rivers. Oh, absolutely. And so, so diverse. There, there is when I said, you know, I started to become friends with her. We still friends. And I realized that I had a special like for her. And to me, that was, uh, in my head, I was just battling that. I didn't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, nobody, mm-hmm. because I was trying to find myself. And I, I just didn't want to, to get involved with anybody because I, I didn't know what I wanted, mm-hmm. but I was always, you know, having fun, camping, partying with my friends, but I gave myself my time. So in my eyes, my coming out for me as an adult was college, was 17, 18, when I realized um, there's something okay, so about me. So it's, a, it's your acknowledgement of your yeah. sexuality, so the, like your acknowledgement, acceptance of who you yes. are. Yes. And then the first love was in Mexico when I was training in Mexico. Uh, and I just told some people that I knew were in the same position that I was, okay. you know, like the same friends that they were in the closet, not all of them. Later on, when I decided to come to United States, I had a relationship and then I came out to some other friends, but they were not my closest friends. It was those friends again, that hung out with you, you know, but it's very superficial. Right. And, and then when I, I, I got tired, I got tired of, of making excuses for or hiding information because you just don't want to be hurt, you know, because you think you, you being you, you're going to hurt somebody. And, right. and, and I kept quiet. So I, I kind of kept quiet for a little while until I said no more. So I talked to my best friend that we still best friend. She's my person, you know, Johnny, she's in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And I just went to her and she was married. She had a little boy and I went to visit Puerto Rico and I said, Hey, Jolie. I just have something to tell you. And I was so afraid that she was going to say, so I don't want to be your friend. You know, that was my concern. So when I told her and she said, okay, and what? (laughs) Okay. And what? 
So yeah. I was like, oh my God. So she wasn't even surprised. Nobody, no surprise, but she was supporting. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really so, so some people, some people think, oh, so-and-so, my best friend, my mom, somebody is going to stop loving me. No, people that love you will love you anyway. Yeah. So, but that was my belief because I was raised in the eighties, you know? Right. And, and not only that, in our Caribbean culture, there could be a lot of ignorance when it comes to uh, being gay. And a lot of people have really been ostracized, beaten in the streets. You know, they've been really harmed for just being who they are, living the truth. So yeah. I'm so glad that you had that amazing outcome. What did your mom say? I never told my mom. You never told that? No. When I was born, my mom was 40. Okay. So when I was, when I was 26, she was 66 and she was born in 1929. My mom was very loving with me, but I thought that if I tell her I'm gay, she was just going to say, I don't want you here. You're not my daughter. That's what I thought. But she always met my girlfriend and she was always very nice and cooked for them. I should have okay. known. Right. Right. Wow. And she, she was also, also always loving, you know, always loving. And I remember when I was like 20, she'll say, Joyma, when you're going to find a boyfriend, because I had my boyfriend, but not anymore. And my mom was a single mother. And after my sister and I, we were girls. She said, I don't want to meet some, another man because I have three daughters in my house. And <laughs> just to protect us, you know, that's, I think that's old school. And remember she her telling me, when you're going to get a boyfriend? And I remember saying, when you get a boyfriend, I get a boyfriend. You know, I was a smart pants with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I never told my mom, but I know she knew. But if she was alive, I would have told her. I would have just said, mom, because I used to tell her everything. She was, she was my best friend. Tell her everything but that. And I knew she knew, but it was uncomfortable to her, I guess. It was another, another generation, you know? Yeah. That generation, yeah. they don't, they're not very, um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Understanding and forgiving and uh, welcoming and open-minded to things that are different. They're not yeah. open at all. But you know, that, that what I think is, that's what I thought. But it, but the only way you know is when you talk to them, right? And I met so many people that age and my mom's friends that they're just loving with me. And so it was what I thought because that's what I thought she would have said. But I will never know because I never told her. Right. You know? I hear But she did meet Miriam and she loved Miriam and cooked oh, for well, that's good. That. At least she, yeah. she got to meet her. She didn't know that she was your person person, but at least she loved and yes. respected and at least knew that you had somebody that loves you in your life. And you know what? As a parent, that's really all you want for your children, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I just yeah. want people to just love my children for who they are, meet them where they are in life and just be respectful. You know, yeah. that's it. So it hasn't been too long since the, the law has been passed where um, gay families can marry. How long after that law passed did you and Miriam jump the broom, so to speak? So totally transparent, Joidma, like I said, I'm a free soul. <laughs> I don't think a couple needs paper to, to be committed. That's what I believe, right? Mm -hmm. But Miriam is a very romantic and very 
you know, thirty girl. <laughs> I ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I know. Uh, so we've been together for sixteen years. So you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and she wanted to get married, and I was no, 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 no. Until uh, one day I said, I'm being selfish, you know, this is what she wants. To me, it doesn't hurt me. And also when the company started recognizing the, the partners or spouses for health insurance, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that, I said, okay, this is serious. So if I make this decision, it's going to be a benefit for us and not, not uh, just a paper. Right. And yeah, so we... We got married, I believe, five years ago, 2016. Yeah. President Obama was the one that passed it. Yep. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It was just fitting. What can I say? <laughs> what can I say? How did you meet Miriam? So Miriam and I met when I was single. I I ended up a relationship um, and we I was single for two years and I didn't want to anybody. I just wanted to have time for myself. Mm-hmm. And and a friend invited us to have lunch for business. It was business. Uh, she came late. She didn't even eat, eat lunch with us. She came in late, and and she she looked at me and she said she start, I I I tell her that she started flirting. She just started <laughs> touching the hair like that. Oh, of she course. asked me if I, she asked me if I was Cuban. I said, oh no. No, I'm Puerto Rican, so we have nothing else to say. Right, so right out the gate, you're like, mm, I love she Cuba. is not the one with the fewer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's through a friend, and I told her I was living in Laredo, Texas, and I uh, told her she's from Laredo. So I said, I'm not staying here. You know, we kept on talking. You know, I, I, I was a little bit waiting and difficult. But we kept on talking. I said, I don't want any long distance relationship. That's why I'm not going to have anything with anybody in Laredo. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and she said, well, I, I'll move wherever you move. And I go home. <laughs> so, and her values, she's the youngest of nine kids, uh, Mexican. She was born in Texas. The family is from Mexico. She has good values. We're good partners. We're so different and so alike. Um, so then when I moved to Miami from Laredo, she, she left with me. And then we came back to Laredo. So we've been together 16 years. This year, it'll be 17. That is amazing. And I'm glad to see. Oh, well, I, I know you're not. <laughs> you are a complete job. <laughs> I just say a piece of work. <laughs> yeah. So wait a minute. So, okay. So she's Cuban. You're Puerto Rican. Not in Mexican. I'm sorry. From, yeah. Because she said, she said you were Cuban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Cuban in my head. She's Mexican. You're Puerto Rican. Did your Spanish, like ever, uh, the language, it's like different. different words are different. Right. Yeah. Totally. Every type of a language barrier. When I'm communicating something with media that I really, really, really need her to understand that it's very important to us. I do it in English. For when she's talking about her feeling, she goes in English. What is daily communication or whatever is in Spanish. But because we live 10 years in Miami and most of my friends over there are Puerto Ricans. And then she worked with a lot of Puerto Ricans and Cuban. People now ask her if she is Cuban or Puerto Rican. (laughs) So So she got the accent. 
see. Oh, but and it's funny that they asked her if she's Cuban because that was the first thing she asked you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And so what language do you speak to the dogs with? Hey, they're bilingual. Oh, they're really? bilingual. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So amazing. They they don't get they don't understand it anyway. So they don't pay attention. <laughs> well, they do that own thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you're so involved with your family and I just really love that about you. I see that on your social media, but I know that your job is also important to you as well. What's your work-life balance game like? I'm very passionate and if I'm going to do something, I'll do it right or don't do it, right? Um, I manage people. I'm a leader. Uh, whatever I do, private or public, he represents me, my brand, my name my leadership. So I'm very involved. I'm very passionate. I get to the personal level with them in terms of if my team needs an advice or needs books for the kids in school or something. I'm there for them. I'm very involved, but I'm very, very, very also loyal to Caterpillar, to the company I work for. I leave the values. You know, I'm not a minion. <laughs> But I, I love the Caterpillar values because it's the same, they are the same values that my mom taught me when I was growing up, you know? Yeah, I agree. They do have a lot of good values. And even with other things that I'm doing in my personal life, I still structure them with that uh, Caterpillar alignment. So, yeah. And I know you move around a lot with your job and you said Miriam just pretty much just comes with, she's, she's fluent, she's ready. Which is being only in two moves from Laredo to te to Miami, Miami to Laredo. Okay. But I, this is my fifth move with Caterpillar. Oh, wow. Now I know when I, when I first met you, it was on a conference call, but that's when I was in the clips department. What did I say? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was the most hilarious conversation I'd ever heard in my life because it was, I think something was happening with the claims and the Miami DC was the, the model for the processes. And, uh, and so Morton and, and Miami, we were trying to really just, um, get them aligned. Well, Morton was the main model, but Miami had some things because, you know, you guys dealt with the, um, Latin America. So some of your stuff uh -huh. had been a little bit deviated from Morton. And oh my God, your team was not doing what they were supposed to do and your accent got so strong and then he was like, wait a minute, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden you were like off the call. <laughs> I, like, I think she's a little upset. <laughs> maybe, maybe I was still on the call, but talking to them in Spanish. <laughs> maybe you were on mute, but yeah, you were no more. You had nothing else to say. You were upset. I'm, and I was like, I like her. <laughs> We, we clicked, you and I clicked for since what, what was that? Maybe 10, 12 years ago. Oh my gosh. I was skinny yeah. then. <laughs> Me too. Be, I've been skinny and gay weight. You know, this is my, my life is, is a diet. Don't, don't worry about that. I'm not worried, yeah. but I, I would yeah. like to look bikini ready for when I get to turn 50 in June, I would like to definitely be sexy in the bikini for sure. I, I want you, I, I, I'll be, I'll support you, whatever you need. <laughs> Whatever I, I need. Daily, yeah, I send you a daily text. <laughs> yeah, drink your water today. Don't yeah. eat cheese. <laughs> so no, but going back to work, I love. I'm 
passionate. I think as a leader, I need to encourage and empower my team. Uh, one of the things that I'm doing lately in this role that I have is the LGBTQ plus community in Mexico, that that was a taboo and nobody wanted to talk about that. And I also empower women yeah, because we have so many good people, good women, and we just, they just need another woman to just say, you know, come on, do it yeah. for it. Or even I've done it. It's okay. You know, it's not that tough. So tell me about that girl up STEM program. You have a STEM program and you have a STEP program. Yeah, well, I don't have it. I was invited. The STEM, I, I started Caterpillar picking parts. We already talked about that mm -hmm. in private. You know, that's how I started. I started in the lowest of the, of the positions. And now I run the whole facility, 250 people. So I've been there. I've been in all the positions. And I never forget where I'm coming from. Because if you forget where you come from, you don't know where you're going. You know? Exactly. Or, or you're going to make the same mistakes that you made in the past. So STEM, what is STEM? STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. We want to push little girls to choose a career in STEM. We need more women. We're smart people. There's not a difference in gender. If you have the brain cells, it doesn't matter what gender you have or who you love. What is your sexual orientation, right? So we just want to encourage girls to study STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. I was invited by the Caterpillar Foundation through a Girl Up program. It's an organization that it goes around the world empowering little girls in different countries to study. Mm -hmm. How beautiful. So they invited me to, to go and talk, and I, I'm there. If I'm going to help somebody, a girl especially, in a poor country, in a hood like I was, or I'm just going to be there to say, hey, you can do it. I did it. The step is similar. It's science, technology, engineering, and production. The P okay. is for production. The Manufacturing Institute is an institute in the United States and the, uh, the global have works with all the manufacturing companies, not all, but the ones that are member. Just to empower, one of the causes is to empower women also to choose jobs that have to, to do with science, technology, engineering, and production. Okay. Meaning, production meaning manufacturing. You work in a manufacturing plant, you start picking parts, and the company help you to study and to go, you can be recognized. So I was recognized in 2020 by Caterpillar as the step, it's called Step Ahead Award. And it's recognizing women in science, technology, engineering, and production. And, and they submitted the award, the, the, my award, you know, my name. And the Manufacturing Institute picked my name out of thousands of names. So in 2020, I was recognized out of just 100 women in the world mm -hmm. um, in the, for my job in manufacturing produ production. So it was very good. So every time I have a chance to talk, I have to, and I want to, and I would love to see a bunch of little girls going, telling mom, dad, or whoever is raising them. I want to study. I want to study science. I want to be an engineer. I just want to be, I just want to do this because we are so smart and we can do so much, but sometimes we stop ourselves. So my job, Lorraine, if I, if I, if I can do one thing in life is to tell the little Jodimas. And the little Noreen's that are coming up, 
Come on, girl, you can do it. Absolutely. It's going to be hard. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hard. It's going to be fun, but you can do it. So, you can definitely do it. And it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a good journey and it's going to be their story to tell. So in this positions that you have held, um, you've been in leadership positions, which normally are dominated by men. How difficult is it for you as a woman to be in, in male led roles or how would I say usually led by males? Yeah. It's a uh, non-traditional jobs for a woman. Um, with all the honesty in the universe, to me, it has not been difficult to me. Okay. Because I don't put up with nonsense. <laughs> you know, I tell the person, if somebody is getting out of line, I say, well, I think you need to consider what you're saying. Right. Right. But I, even though Caterpillar, we're, we're very good and conservative the company is always, in my opinion, I've been in the right place at the right time. No one ever I want, because of course I would, I would have loved to be in this position that I'm now 15 years ago. Right. Right. Everybody went that, but I learned to understand what is needed of a man or a woman to be in this position. And that's why, you know, I'm here. Yes. You always will find somebody that is going to be a smart pass or if somebody is going to do the, the wrong thing to not to help you or to make fun or to hold you back. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's good when you work in a company that the values are so strong. And if you do something or you claim something, they're going to add on it. So no, it's not, it's not difficult. It would, I would love to be faster than, uh, than it was, but I had to go through the places that I went to learn what I know now to be able to do the job with the people and with the business that I'm doing. So you, you have people that will want to stop you in all the stages in your life, anywhere. Right. But it's, it's on you. It's on you if you let them stop you or if you let them have that power over you. So no, I, maybe because I was raised in the hood that you right. have to defend yourself, you know, and survive. <laughs> so maybe that, that it helped too. I'm, I'm so happy. And I tell everywhere I go, Noreen, with whoever I'm talking, I grew up in the hood from a single mother. To me, that's. Awesome. People will hide that. Not one. No, it makes you who you are. And I just love what you say with that, because like you said, a lot of people are ashamed where they come from, but they don't understand that where you come from is what molds you, is what gives you that extra fire and spirit to be greater in what you're doing in life. Yep. And so you need it's, to. It's you. Yeah. How can you be the best you can be if you're not being you? If you're not your authentic something. self. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever had any situations where you thought your sexuality might um, impede someone's decision to hire you for any positions? No, 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 not in Caterpillar. Okay. Not, well, that's, that's the biggest of chunk of my career. I was a teacher. Mm -hmm. Then when I was a student in Michigan, I, I was also teaching the undergraduate students in the university. And then in, in Caterpillar, know that it was obvious to me. So maybe there was a situation where somebody didn't like me for who I, I was, but not in my experience, you know, I had said, I have heard from people, not only in Caterpillar, but I think it's also the fears that we have in, inside that we think people are making decisions 
for specific reasons. And when you really check is sometimes it's not what you think is right. That you have to improve something in your work ethics or punctuality or quality, you know? So, but thank God I haven't. Well, that's good. Sometimes people do get in their own way. It may not even be happening in real life, but they've already told themselves, well, if I don't get this position, it's probably because of this. Because some blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Exactly. Insert whatever. And um, I know that our company is very fluent in diversity and inclusion. In your facility, I always see you always post all these different things that you guys are doing. You spoke about it a little bit earlier. But I want to get into it now. What do you guys do down there for the LGBTQ community? So this is, we have almost 2,000 employees in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. So I, it's in the border with, with Texas. Um, so almost 2,000 caterpillar, yellow blood people. <laughs> we know the famous machos or machismo, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, ha- the, the, the man is the one that leads the woman and there's discrimination against anything that is not a real man, you know? Absolutely. So, but that's, that's the old belief. And yes, there's a little bit of that. So what we do there first, when I got there in 2018, I started talking to the facility manager, to the country, but I, um, then he wanted to, to bring our LGBTQ plus ERG employee resource group to Mexico. And I was, I think I was just willing to take the challenge. Crazy, call it crazy, call it ignorant, call it whatever, but I like those challenges. And I say, I'll help you. So we, from Caterpillar with the support of Caterpillar we started the employee resource group Lambda that is for LGBTQ plus community and to show the employees, uh, we don't care who you love or how you look or how is your accent. We mm-hmm. care about your, your values that are aligned with caterpillar values and your brain power. So we started the ERG and Norris, it was amazing because first it was the first time in Mexico, Caterpillar, Mexico. I believe we have like 14,000 employees. Oh, wow. The first time we started that ERG in all the divisions in Mexico. And not only that is the reaction from the employees that you think the machos, you think this and that. It was the total opposite. I remember talking to one of the, the groups and an older man, he say something in the back of the room. And it's something nice. I said, I cannot hear you. Can you come forward? So he came to the front where I was standing and I put my arm around his shoulder and I said, what do you say? And he said that I have two sons that are part of the community and for all their life, I've been discriminating against them and abusing them. And you, because we were educating them, Mm -hmm. you know, the people. What you just taught me is help me understand. And the guy started crying and I'm there and I'm not a crier, but my eyes are teary and my peers are the same way. And he said, when I get home, I'm just going to go, go hug them and apologize to them. Those are the things that we're doing. Those are the things that, you know, you do one job. Yeah. 
That is amazing. Yeah. Through your teachings, you gave him some self-reflection and you gave him some information and some tools that he can use so he can understand his sons better. Yep. And, And they see that he's not all words. Because I'm a facility manager, I'm a leader. I'm one of the leaders, caterpillar leaders in Mexico. And I'm a woman, respectful, right? I have my presence, I have my values, I have my wife, and, and I still do my job and nothing happened, you know? So caterpillar is not only advertising words, it's showing the employees and the community because caterpillar is a strong name in the community. We're telling the community, our values are your values too. And right. that's how we support you. So right. it's amazing. It's amazing. We want to continue in, in the other plants in Mexico. So, and also with other groups in Mexico, other companies, we're, we're part of that too. So it's amazing, Noreen. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. You know, I, um, I sat in on an ERG meeting some years ago and um, I didn't have a full understanding of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there was a guy, he was representing that committee. So there was a representative from each ERG there. I think it was two per, per ERG there. And, and of course, for those that are listening, ERGs, um, um, what's it called? The, uh, employee, employee resource groups. And so each group had two representatives there, but I didn't know what the Lambda group was fighting for. And so I. You know, I just, I just asked him, I said, listen, I could understand what, why these other groups are here and why Caterpillar is, is taking time out to have these other groups, but why are you here? And he said, well, we are trying to fight to get insurance coverage for partners. And I was like, okay. It was just, it was just that clear, like the light bulb went off. But that was a long time ago, right? And what, yeah, it was a very long time ago, that conversation. I actually had time to be leading and ERG. We were skinny. We were skinny. <laughs> right. I was skinny. I was still a little bit fresh out of the shop myself. <laughs> There's a lot of allies. You, to be in one of the, the ERGs, you don't need to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans. You can be the sister of, the friend of, or just simply because you believe in human rights exactly. and you want to be part of that. In any ERG, you don't need to be one of them. You just need to be a a fellow human being supporting somebody. And that's all you So, So is that where the, how the podcast happy hour with Lambda came about? It's awesome. Yep. (laughs) Is that an internal podcast or is that? uh, Yes. Oh, but, but we have a, a Somos Caterpillar Nuevo Laredo. It's a Facebook page that is public. Okay. So we also, we communicated in the ERGs within Caterpillar and outside too. And people are waiting now for the next podcast because I believe the last one was in November or December. Mm-hmm. So it's like the novella, you know, the general yeah, novella. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun because we touch on so many topics and it's the same. It's uh, Alejandro, Gaby and myself. And we have different people invited and talk about different topics. And are you guys thinking about doing any in English? We thought about it and we, I don't know where we're standing on that one, but yeah, because the three of us, we can talk in English. So yeah, the, but, but our target audience is Mexico. Okay. We just to continue to, just to educate people, educate and, you know, it's okay. At the end of the day, who cares? 
who cares who you, you know, God loves you. everybody, you know, listen, I always say this, the world would be such a, a better place if people would just learn to mind their business. Yep. It is not their business who anyone is with. It doesn't affect your life in any way, you know? So here's what I, what I want to ask you and you go ahead. ahead. This has come to your face. Listen, this has come out of left field because this is something that you wouldn't even expect for me to ask because you probably don't think I pay attention. You have this mantra, carpe diem. Tell me where that comes from. (laughs) You see my tattoo? Yes. I got my tattoo here. Carpe diem is, I learned that from a movie back in the late 80s. It's called Dead Poet Society with Robin Williams. And there's, I think it's, uh, what is his name? The one that's always with Ben Affleck, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. Some of those kids that are now grown men, it's called Dead Poet Society. And it's about a professor in England and a bunch of rich kids that he's the, he's the art teacher or the reading, I forgot what kind of class. So, and they, all of them have a lot of money and the parents will push them to do whatever the parents wanted them to do. So for example, one of them liked to, to do ballet, I think it was, or, or drama. And the father wanted him to be, I believe, an attorney, a lawyer. Um, so all those things that you, we all go through when we are in high school or college. And I remember Robin Williams telling them, uh, carpe diem, that, that you have to be you, but carpe diem means also seize the day, like mm-hmm. live your life like it's the last minute. Like the movie, The Lion King, Akuna Matara. Akuna Matara. <laughs> it means no worries. No worries. <laughs> So I that's carpe diem. Carpe diem, carpe diem is seize the day. Seize the day. Enjoy your life like it's your last second. Don't leave whom I love you for tomorrow. So how have you incorporated that month oh, into your life? In everything I do. I When I say I love you, I say I love you because I mean I love you. I don't need to be in love with somebody. I tell people I love you. Okay, I love you. Or I love you. Mm-hmm. Whenever, hey, let's go on vacation to this place. Let's go. Um, let's, let's go to this restaurant. Let's go. You know, I'm not also, I'm not going to go jump in a place where I'm going to be in trouble. Right. But I like to enjoy every second. Even when I'm working, you can go and ask my team. We have fun at work. It looks like you do. Well, yeah. And it's fun. We laugh. We make fun of each other. And I tell them I'm the boss. I'm not different than you, girl. Right. I just have a different responsibility. But we are the same. When, when I hit the road and I go to the supermarket, they're not going to treat me different than you. We all got to go through the line and pay. So that's Carpe Diem. That's the way I see. That's the way I live my life. I make so many relationships. I keep them. I am there for my friends. Uh, whoever, if you need an advice, uh, have a beer with me or whatever, I'm so that's the meaning of carpeting. <laughs> I love it. I love that you you adapted that mantra for yourself. And you know what? I have, a little, bit years. Of, I have a little bit of that too, because um, last year, what, what are we, 20? Well, I guess we're almost on two years now. So in 2020, we decided, we decided in July that we were going to get married in September. We just see that moment. We just did it. We just set the date. Hold on. And you got married? Yeah, we just went ahead. 
we just got married. It was um, when the uh, pandemic was starting to look up a little bit, but they still had restrictions, like you couldn't invite more than 50 people. So yeah, we just went ahead and did it. That's why, that's why you didn't invite me. Well, you said you hate Morton. <laughs> I don't, I don't hate Morton. I have so many good friends over there. I just, no. if you were in town, you definitely would have been on the list. Okay. I mean, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. no I, for real. I, for real, because you, it. because you always, you're an inspiration to me. You and me. I, I was a little intimidated. I'm not going to lie. I'm very transparent. I was a little intimidated doing this interview. I was like shaking like a leaf when I first started. I'm like, girl, this is joint, but why are you shaking Come like on. a leaf? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. You know, a job doesn't make you. A job doesn't make anybody. And there's people that believe that, but not me. I mean, there's people that believe that as you go up in a company, you are in like in a new, different planet. No, yeah. me. Yeah. Because no. people do act different. Somebody asked me that. I had gotten a raise and I had moved into a new job role. And they said, so are you going to still come and have lunch with us? And I was like, yeah. Why not? I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm, I still got to eat every day. I'm like, why does me having a new position affect our friendship? I'm like, oh, yeah. that girl, I'm, I'm still down to earth chick. But before we close, I always ask, what advice would you give women about being strong female leaders and walking in their truth? The, the word strong, it means that you have to change who you are. I would say being who you are. Don't change for anybody, mm -hmm. for no one, no, not for the parents, not for a husband, a wife, you know, or best friends, be who you are. When you know who you are and you follow your dream, your dream, not somebody else's dream, you're going to make it. Remove the noise from the people. Don't think that you have to like everybody because there's going to be a lot of people in your life that is going to say something about you that you don't want them to say, but what they think of you is, is actually none of your business. Um, my advice to women is to, to continue their path, to have dreams, to make plans, to follow the plans, not to try to fit in a, in a shape of Hollywood, the wife, you know, the housewife that you have to be skinny, <laughs> skinny or blonde or white. No, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm overweight. I have short hair. I don't care. My values and my brain is what people should care. So for all the women out there, I hope many thousands of people or women listen to this conversation because I think it's cool, I is have a plan, have a plan, follow it, trust, trust, and listen to those angels that you go into your path whenever you face a difficulty. There's always somebody that's going to come and it's going to give you a hand and give you a smile or a hug. Just listen to them, but trust you. You're going to live with yourself for the rest of your life. Nobody else. So trust yourself. Absolutely. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. And you're such an inspiration. And you know what? This was such an educational and as fun as I expected it to be. I expected no less. I got everything that I thought I was going to get today. And even more. Awesome. <laughs> Me too. I have fun. This is talking to a friend. Like Absolutely. And, you know, and I kept following up with you because I'm like, I know you have a story to tell and I wanted everybody to hear it. And this is the first time on this podcast that I address sexuality. 
So, well, there's no shame on that. You need to talk about it. Uh, there's not talking about it doesn't eliminate that. You know, it's a fact. We're out there. There's nothing, you know, the taboos are just so old now. So if you don't talk about it, doesn't mean that it's not happening. And I think you have a good platform where you can educate women and, and make it normal. You know, make it exactly. normal. Everybody, everybody has a cousin. Yeah, exactly. And people that judge you, you know, listen, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. But it's not for us to judge anyone. We're all on this earth walking on two feet, just like everybody else. We all bleed red, just like everybody else. And like you say, what people think of you is none of your business. You yeah. know, you got to mind the business that pays you. The real business. Exactly. So I thank you so much for sharing your compelling story with us. I really, really had a good time talking with you. And um, I'm definitely going to follow up with you. And I'm glad that we talked about this because I want people to understand that this is a diverse world. We have to move with it, the ebbs and flows of life. You know, we have to just accept everyone for who they are. But most importantly, I want people to be inspired by your story, by you, by the way you don't take yourself too seriously, but you're serious. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. You're serious when you need to be. Yes, I had a tag. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much. Before we leave, mm -hmm. before we leave, there's so many kids that are killing themselves because they feel rejected by parents or comments that family member makes about their sexuality. Just be sensitive about that and just love each other. You know, just love each other. There's a lot of people that, that you can help by just being accepting, accepting and respecting. And some people that you can hurt by just making ignorant comments or just not even talking about it. Yeah, so, that's a great tip for parents. Because not um, everyone. So, okay. So since we did that, how can people really start that conversation? Love. Unconditional love. You just love. If you love somebody, you don't need to say, I love you, but. I love you, but. You know, love is love. And for kids, for parents with kids or, or grandmas or whoever has a little kid or somebody in the house doesn't have to be a kid that is going through something or you see that it's acting funny because we know that the way people act different, mm -hmm. don't ignore it. Don't ignore it and talk honest. And if you don't know how to do it, go and ask a professional. There's so many hotlines. There's some, so many things that are free out there or videos, or you can contact us and we'll help you. But love is love and unconditional love. There's not a but in there. Yeah. Awesome. I really appreciate that. That was really beautiful for you to say. I, I think that you've given a lot of information and you've given a, a lot of laughs, which is always, always a plus. Laughter is the best medicine. But I thank you so much for your time. I thank you for holding space to have this conversation with me today. And uh, I thank you for trusting me with your information. Always. Thank you. And I'm here for you. Thank yeah, you so thank much you for the invitation. Thank you for joining this episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Hopefully you found it to be inspiring and you've received great information you can use in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your sis some love by subscribing on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review. 
We're on Instagram at SaveOurSisters underscore 2020 and check out our YouTube page. If you would like to continue the conversation, join our Save Our Sisters group on Facebook. Until next time, sis, and remember to love yourself.